Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. American Glutton Podcast has a Patreon. Do you hate commercials? Well, we've got a Patreon. Do you want bonus episodes? That's on the Patreon. Do you want to hang out and chat in our Discord channel? That's part of the Patreon, too. We even have an option where you can leave me voicemails. All on the Patreon. So check it out today. Patreon.com slash American Glutton. We have a Patreon. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. I hate to ask you to do anything, but if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to like, subscribe, rate, review, all of the above on whatever app you're getting it from. American Glutton is brought to you by Trifecta. The biggest factor in weight loss for me has been knowing ahead of time what I'm going to eat and having it ready when I need it. Trifecta meal deliveries have made this completely effortless for me and have been a total game changer in both diet and maintenance. Go to www.trifectanutrition.com slash American Glutton to make your life and physical goals a whole lot easier. My guest today is Coot Blackson. He is a transformational speaker and the national best-selling author of You Are The One and his new book, The Magic of Surrender. Please enjoy our conversation. You can find Coot on Instagram at Coot Blackson. Stay tuned at the end of this episode for my follow-up from last week with Mike Pena. Coot Blackson, welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, dude. Well, you are the one and The Power of Surrender. The Power of Surrender is your newest book. The Magic of Surrender. The magics, The Magics of Surrender. A big difference, man. A big difference. For sure. Yes. Power and magic are very much different. Um, I want to fully wrap my head around this, but I think about it in terms of like this, this 
inner struggle I have with myself or I had mm. had with myself and I still have it a little bit. And, and I want to know what that surrender means. And is that surrender something easy that you just slip into or yeah. is it, is it work? Um, is it work on one level? It's work on one level. It's easy and natural. Um, I will say that surrender on some level can feel difficult, can feel hard, can feel scary. It feels scary. We're often terrified of it. You know, we run from it. We avoid it. We spend our entire lives resisting it on some level. And so it can feel difficult, but I like to just say, maybe to start the conversation, to reframe it, is I think surrender is the most natural thing for us. Surrender is natural. Surrender is easy. Surrender is the nature of existence. Surrender is so natural that it's hardwired into our physiology. You take a deep breath in, and you have to exhale. You know, this is the universe, life, God, whatever we've been reminding us that the nature of life is surrender. You can't just breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in, breathe in. You're going to implode. You've got to surrender. And so this is the natural rhythm of life, surrendering. And so... Uh, for instance, if uh, you hold a pen, like I'm holding very tightly to a pen, making a fist right now, and this is what kind of an analogy of what we, how we tend to live our lives based on who we end up becoming, which we'll talk about in a second. But it, I'm holding this pen, and I'm holding so tightly to this pen, and I'm making a fist, and I'm holding so tightly, and we hold so tightly to who we think we are and how we think life should be and, and, and controlling everything, and we're holding tightly, and it starts feeling normal control and holding on starts feeling normal we get used to it and because we get used to it we think that's the way it is but just because we get used to it doesn't mean that's the way it is but when we think of surrender okay letting go i mean how easy is that just to you know it's just that holding on has become natural and normal simply because we've been conditioned so we're born as children we're born free you look at a child a baby, they're free. You know, they roll around, they giggle, they poop their pants, they're, they're chill, they're cool, they're, they're just surrendered. They poop, they're not judging themselves, they're not struggling. They'll laugh when they feel like, they'll fart when they feel like, they'll giggle when they feel like, they'll run, jump on the table and, and run naked. They're, they're not self-conscious, wondering what are you thinking. They'll hug you when they feel like, they're not like, oh, should, should, I, should I hug this guy? Should, should, I, should I hug Coop? They're just being what they are. They'll jump on the table and they'll sing fully free fully alive they don't care if they don't sound like bruno mars or adele or you know bob dylan they're just being what they are so the natural state of being is surrender a natural state of being for a kid a baby a child before their condition is surrender so what the hell happens that makes it so freaking difficult or feel so difficult is the fact that we're conditioned. So with these free beings in touch with the essence of life, flowing, being, you know, effortless in the zone, we, we're born, we incarnate into this existence. We mean our parents, right? Our parents, they're just doing the best that they can do based on their conditioning and their traumas and their childhood and ancestors and grandparents. And now we're born into a preset pattern of conditioning. And here we are now, Maybe dad has mental health issues. Maybe mom is an alcoholic. Maybe they're crazy. Maybe they're fighting all the time. Maybe they're divorced, abandoned. Maybe they're great people, but they just don't know how to meet our emotional needs, right? And so we experience some level of pain or trauma. And two things happen that begins the conditioning process. 
the first thing is we begin to learn all sorts of, shall we say, survival defense mechanisms to shut down, disconnect, and not feel the pain of not having our needs met, not feel the pain of like dad is crazy, mom and dad are fighting, there's divorce, et cetera, et cetera. So we learn to shut down, disconnect, not feel, we suppress, suppress, suppress layers of feelings of pain in order to function, survive, and cope. And all of the unfelt emotions and feelings that we learn to suppress in order to function, survive, and cope begin to build up. And our true essence, our true light, our true, our true souls, our true spirits gets kind of hidden underneath the mountain of unfelt, unprocessed feeling. And we start contorting ourselves into a shape and we develop defense mechanisms and walls around our heart around our flow around our essence in order to not feel the pain and we hold so tightly to this defensive mechanism wow dad screams so i shut down i go numb i erect walls around my heart now i don't have to feel the pain but so so this way of being to shut down disconnect and not feel becomes a defensive strategy that we hold onto, and now we take this into our teens and we take this into our adulthood and we learn how to control control our feelings as a way to protect ourselves to not get hurt all of a sudden what worked for us when we were five what worked for us when we were 15 maybe now when we're 25 and 35 and 45 now starts getting in the way but we start holding so tightly to this way of being in order to ensure that we never get hurt again so this control mechanism served the purpose but now we we think if i can control everything and everyone around me, my feelings and everyone else around me, then I'll never get hurt again. Like I was hurt when I was five, like I was hurt when I was 10. Like that, will, I'll never feel that helpless. I'll never feel that alone. I'll never feel that abandoned. Abandon. And so we also learn as children, not just to avoid the pain, but we learn as children, the sense of who do I need to be in order to be loved and validated and fit in. Oh, when I'm, when I cried, Dad says, hey, boys, don't cry. When, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm funny, when I'm a certain way, mom says, hey, don't be that way. So we learn to, to kind of contort ourselves into a shape to get love, validation, and approval. And before you know it, by the time we're in our teens, we've contorted ourselves into a certain shape to become the person that we think we need to be to get love, validation, and approval. We, and we think that's who we are, that who we've ended up becoming is who we are. But what, what we don't realize is who we end up becoming is simply a persona. We develop a role, a mask, a persona, a personality whose function is to get love and validation and approval. And so now we've contorted ourselves into a shape and a pattern of conditioning that is really conditioning, not necessarily who we really are. And so I like to ask people, is who you are, who you really are, or is it simply who you've been conditioned to be? Because the degree to which you're conditioned is the degree to which you're not free. And so when you think about surrender now, all of a sudden it seems scary because we're like, oh shit, ego. Getting rid of all of that. Ego is like, see, the job of the ego, we think, we've been conditioned to think we are this person, which is ego. Ego, just to be clear, is not a thing. It's a process of conditioning. It's a process of identification. Identification with everything I just said. Identification with name, body, form, our defense mechanisms and strategies. We think, ah, this is who I am. No, it's just the pattern that we've been conditioned to be to avoid pain, keep ourselves safe, get certain needs met. The job of the ego is simply, shall we say, to reinforce its existence and also to ensure, to protect us, to make sure we don't get hurt again. So now we've become this version of ourselves 
right, that we think ourselves to be, and we hold so tightly onto that, it gets reinforced by life, by society. Maybe we, we become successful being a certain way. It gets reinforced, and now it's just survival. So when you, when you say the word surrender and letting go, for the ego, our perceived sense of self, who we think ourselves to be, it can feel terrifying because it feels like a death. So the natural reaction is we freaking resist, surrender. It's like, no, who will I be if I let go of that belief, even though that's not working? Who will I be if I let go of that way of being? Who will I be? Like, I don't know. So the ego freaks out, freaks out, and we start resisting, which is why it can sometimes be so difficult to embrace change, so difficult to reinvent ourselves, because for the ego, change and reinvention feels like I'm going to die, and the job of the ego is to keep us safe and to reinforce its existence. So first, I think we just have to start by realizing that we are not the ego. We are not our mind. We are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. What we are is so much more. We are infinite beings. We are energy. We are consciousness. And when we can start realizing that we can start developing a different relationship to ego, ego is not a thing. It's a process of identification. It's a process of how we hold on and identify ourselves to be what we think ourselves to be. And so when we realize that, ah, this is the job of the ego, then we see that even the resistance to surrender, rather than judging ourselves, like, come on, hurry up and surrender. We beat ourselves into surrender. Oh, Dalai Lama surrendered. Then you read the book about surrender, so you should be surrendering. And it's like, no. When you, when you understand the nature of the ego, that it served a purpose, it means well, you know, it's been our best friend for, for, for the longest time. Then we can shift our relationship to the ego with right understanding. And rather than judging it and forcing it and beating ourselves, which creates more resistance, then we can meet ourselves or what we thought of as ourselves with a bit of compassion. And then we can hold our ego with a bit of compassion, because we are not our ego, we are not our patterns. We think we are, which is why it's so difficult. But when you start seeing, oh, I'm not those patterns, I'm not those addictions, I'm not those survival mechanisms, I'm much more than that. They're patterns of conditioning that I learned that I had to be. Then you can meet yourself with some compassion and some empathy and some loving. And, and in that compassion, you can hold yourself differently with some more patience, so that sometimes surrendering is to surrender to the fact that you might not even be surrendered right now, and that's okay. And when you meet yourself with some compassion, then the ego, the patterns can begin to relax a bit, and surrender can begin unfolding and can begin happening. But what I will just lastly say is, just to set the tone for the conversation, surrender, there are so many, mis I think, misconceptions about surrender in our culture today. We have this, this misconception that surrender is weak, that surrender is passive, that surrender means giving up, that it means waving the white flag, that if you surrender, you're gonna be a victim. If you surrender, you're gonna be a doorman. If you surrender, you have to like move to the Himalayas in India and become a monk somewhere, you know? If you surrender, you're gonna end up homeless. If you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, dreams and desires, you're gonna get less. I'm saying no. If you surrender, what if you didn't get less? But what if you actually got more, more than you could even fathom, visualize, and imagine with your limited, we talked about ego, with your limited egos. Ego is limited. It's not able to see the infinite possibilities of life. It can only see what it can see based on its conditioning and the level of our consciousness. So it's ego is so limited. And so most of us, we are living and creating and manifesting goals and a life based on the limited lens of ego. 
we think that what we want is what we want, sometimes not realizing that the goals that we, we are setting are based on the unmet needs of childhood and they're a projection thinking if I can achieve that car and that fame and that money and that nothing wrong with those things, by the way. But if I can achieve that, then I'm going to finally be enough because I didn't feel enough when I was a kid. And so this is the limitation of the ego. So I say a life lived from ego can be good, but it's going to be limited. Someone like a Nelson Mandela went beyond ego. He created a life and he lived a life that you couldn't, you could never plan. It was beyond him. To me, that's why I say surrender is the most powerful thing that we can do. To me, surrender is the key to our next level. It's the password to freedom. To me, surrender is the key to all of the great ones. You look at Jesus, you look at Buddha, you look at Gandhi, you look at Mandela, you look at Martin Luther King, you look at Mother Teresa. I mean, you look at Elon Musk there, I say, at some point, they all surrendered themselves to, to life, to a vision a purpose that was bigger than them. And in that surrender, they transcended their own ego's limited capacity, you know, to make shit happen, to create their life. They tapped into another dimension of potential that was beyond personal power. And that's when life, you know, the force of life began to manifest through them. And so surrender is letting go of control. We can talk more about that, but... I would say the illusion of control. Control is the master addiction. Because, you know, they look at the last few years, we maybe weren't as in control as we thought. Surrender is to stop trying to force and manipulate life to fit our limited ego's idea of how we think it should look. We get so attached to certain goals, like it's got to be this. We get so attached that we meet a person, we fall in love, like this has to be my soulmate. And they're so wrong for us, but we want what we want. And that's the ego, right? Surrender is to let go of the idea of who we think we should be, how we think life should be, so that we can be truly open and available. So surrender is taking the limits off of life. Surrender is availability. Surrender is openness. When we're truly open and available, we're open to magic. That's the magic. That's, that's why it's not called power. That's the, then we're open to magic. When I say magic, magic is that which is beyond our ego's capacity to imagine because the ego can't imagine what's possible. And so if you look at some of the most amazing things that have happened in, in your life, my life, most of it, we couldn't have planned. They, they happen in the process of living life. And so I just want to make clear that surrender is not doing nothing, being passive, sitting on the couch, just waiting for like, you know, something to float down from the sky. Surrender means to feel your deepest. It's a different question. The old paradigm is, what do I want? Limited. It's great, but still based on the ego. It's limited. The new paradigm of surrender is really asking a different question. The question is, what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is it that my soul is seeking to manifest? What is it that the universe is seeking to express through me, to create through me, to write through me, to podcast through me, to speak through me? And is, is, it's, it's opening bigger than yourself to be available to life, expressing through you. And when you feel what is authentic and when you feel what is true, when you feel what is aligned, when you feel what is your deepest integrity, then, then you can plan and market and strategize and go into action based on what's true. With, and when you go into action from that place of alignment, right, it might mean you work harder than you've ever worked. So just to be clear, surrender doesn't mean laziness, right? Surrender is not an abdication of responsibility. 
It's about going into full action, full commitment based on alignment without attachment. That's because there, there is some part of me. I'm, I'm a sober guy. I've been sober for a long time, but I had, I had substance addiction and I'm also, I was obese, morbidly obese. So I've lost, I've lost about 300 pounds and got sober. It's been, but there is a, there, I gotta tell you, honestly, there is a piece of me because there's, there's a battle in my head all the time of like, um, God, that, that wine my wife is having looks good. No, I don't drink. You know what I mean? This is a conversation or uh, my kids want pizza, but I, but I don't eat pizza, you know? And so there's a little fear of like, Uh, maybe, maybe surrender is I'm allowed to do whatever I want. You know what I mean? That's really good. So, so let's just surrender is not like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Whenever I, I'm going to, people think that's freedom. Do whatever I want, whenever I want with whoever I want, however many times I want. That is not freedom. That is to be a slave to your mood. That is to be a slave to your addictions. That is to be a slave to your conditioning. I want to eat 14 tubs of ice cream. That's just to be a slave. And so if you look at the really great ones, they didn't do whatever they wanted. Really. If you really look at Mandela, he surrendered. He didn't know where that path was going to take him. But he followed his truth. Like, this is what I feel called to do. That led him to 27 years in prison. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't want to spend 27 years in prison. I'm sure he didn't put in his gold, gold you know, journal, 27 years in prison. But what if, should he have not spent 27 years in prison? What if he didn't spend 27 years in prison? Would he have become the Mandela on two levels? Would he have become the Mandela that we know? Maybe it took the 27 years in prison for him to develop the mental, the emotional, the physical, the spiritual alignment, you know, and compassion that it would take to come out and lead a nation. Maybe it will take 27 years in prison for the world, the consciousness of the planet to be aware of his plight, to catch up with him, to support him. Like maybe the 27 years in prison was a part of the necessary path. So sometimes surrender means saying no. Sometimes surrender might mean doing what you don't feel like doing in the moment because you're surrendered to a bigger vision. You're surrendered to a higher calling. You're surrendered to a bigger purpose than the immediate gratification of that pizza. You know, the immediate gratification of that wine, knowing that drinking that wine probably is not going to take you down a path that's elevated. And so surrender means transcending your limits to choose the higher path, the higher calling, the higher commitment. Like when I write my books, I hate writing books. I just want you to know I'm a best-selling author two times over, two nationally best-selling books. I hate writing books. Can't stand it. But I sit my ass down every time, even though I don't feel like it, even though I'm never in the mood, even though I'd rather be doing something more fun because I'm surrendered to a deeper calling and purpose to impact people. I'm surrendered to a deeper sense of what my soul is calling me to to do and what wants to come through. So surrender is not to succumb to the initial fleeting mood of the moment, but to surrender to the deeper calling of your soul. Surrender is not an abdication of responsibility. Sometimes people say, 
ah, surrender. I'm just going to go with the flow and do whatever I want to do. No, 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 no. That is the, that's, that's laziness. That's, that's irresponsibility. Surrender is a commitment to what's true. So, for instance, in the book example, yeah, I don't feel like writing 99% of the time. But the deeper commitment and calling is impact, is service. And so that's what I'm surrendering to. In, in the long run, it always feels better. I, I'm like you. I was a fat kid, okay? I uh, didn't lose 300 pounds, but I was a chubby kid that couldn't find many clothes. And so, you know, I learned the hard way because my metabolism wasn't fast. My parents were kind of a little fat. So I'm like, shit, if I don't sort myself out, I'm going to be fat. And I would get teased in school and all of that stuff. I went running at 11 years old, 12 years old, once around the block. Then I went twice around the block. And I went three times around the block. And I went four times around the block. By the time, you know, three months later, I was running two miles and then three miles. Then I was running six miles a day. And I lost all this weight. And people said, you're lucky. It's like, no, no. It was commitment. It was discipline. So, But for me, there was a level of surrender in that. It was yeah. surrender, acceptance of surrender to like, hey, my metabolism is just a little different. It's not like my friends could eat whatever they wanted and be skinny. I'm a, okay, let me, let me accept what is and learn from that. But the surrender was, there was a deeper commitment that I had to be healthy. There was a deeper commitment that I had to have energy. There was a deeper commitment. And so surrender is to the deepest truth and living your life in alignment with that. The last thing I'll say about that is the deeper I go, I'll say it this way, it's gonna sound strange. The deeper I go, the less choice I have, the freer I feel. Yeah. I the, 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 I mean the, it, the, 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 the more on the surface I am, the more choice. I think I have. Yeah. The less free I am. Because when you're committed to something true, certain things that you used to be able to do, you know, drinking and, and all this, this certain no, not good or bad. It's just, it's just kind of like, does it elevate you or does it not elevate you? It's not a bad matter of morality. It's just, does it increase your energy, frequency, vibration, consciousness, and take you closer to where you want to go? Or does it detract from you? energy alignment your integrity and your power and so there's certain there comes a moment in our lives where the next level of your life requires the next level of you and the next level of you requires that you let go of some of the things that are no longer working some of the things that are no longer align some of the addictions some of the patterns some of the things that actually take away energy and so there comes a moment as humans as men where we have to make a choice we have to make a choice, and that's part of surrender, to say, will I choose my limitation or will I surrender to what's seeking to happen and make the choice to fulfill my potential and destiny? And do, do you think, like, because I, what you're saying resonates so much with me. There, there was a period of my life where I just said, I'm not going to get in my own way. If I have a thought, like... I wonder yes. what it would be like to do this. I'd like to do yeah. this. 99% of, or 100% of the time, I would go like, that's impossible. You can't do that. I live in Los Angeles, so there's mountains. Me all too, yeah. And so there would be a lot of time where I'd be driving on a freeway, and I'd wonder, I wonder what it looks like at the top of that mountain. And then the next thought would be like, well, you'll never get up there, or that would do. And, yeah. and yeah. so I went through a period of my life where it was like, if I have that thought, I'm going to get out of my way. And so I would pull off the freeway and walk up to the top of the mountain. Sometimes it took me all day. Sometimes I had to 
go back and start again the next day because it was higher than I thought. And I didn't, but so like, I understand this thing of like, once you know what the path is, every, every misstep, you know, when it's a misstep and it becomes easier and easier to get in your way, to have a conversation about it. And if you can trace it back and go like, what is the true path and never deviate? I, I totally understand that how there is, utter freedom and really no choice because you know what is right and what is wrong. Yes. And I'll even add, I think it's so true. And there's a tremendous power that comes from choosing what is aligned, you know, and every time we choose what's aligned, we choose ourselves. we choose our truth. We start generating more power inside. And many times I see people that want to manifest at a higher level, want to lead at a higher level, want to impact at a higher level, but because they're not in alignment, they they don't have the self-belief, the internal integrity to even like believe themselves, you know? And and, and so um, you'd mentioned knowing the path. One thing I'd like to add is sometimes you don't even have to know the path. Sometimes you don't even have to know the path. And that's an interesting thing is I want to tell people you don't even have to know where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. And part of the surrender and part of the freedom is giving up the need to know. Because there's moments where you might think you know exactly where you're going, (laughs) only to realize, shit, where I thought I was going was not really where I was going. And sometimes right. sometimes the goal that we think we're chasing, that we're really sure is the goal, is not the goal. It's just the, the evolutionary uh, carrot, the evolutionary carrot that is forcing us to go on a journey. And that journey is what forces us to grow and learn and evolve and expand and heal and transform ourselves so that we can prepare, be more prepared, like Mandela, to live our true purpose, which might be over here. And so living surrender is not being so attached to the path or the, or, or should we say the goal that we think we're chasing and being more attached to the journey and the path, but not the goal. And so you don't have to know where you're going to get to where you need to be, because I really believe that there is a power and an intelligence inside of us that knows is beyond our ego. It's beyond our mind. It's beyond our thoughts. It is, call it our soul, our essence, that we all have that dimension inside of us. And there's an intelligence and a GPS, it it knows. And so part of surrender is the willingness to give up the need to know, because the mind is always seeking to know and understand what everything means. But the mechanism that we use to understand what everything means, what does this mean, what does this mean, what does this mean, is a form of control. Because the ego thinks, the mind thinks, if I can control, like we learned to do growing up, if I can control everything around me, then I'm going to be safe. And that's why we control everything to try to keep ourselves safe, but it's limiting. And so part of surrender is giving up this need to know. Because the mechanism that seeks to know and understand, well, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And where am I going now? Is the mind. And the mind is conditioned and the mind is limited. So what we use to interpret where we're going and what something means 
can be limited. Now we end up living a limited life, not even realizing that we're limiting ourselves through the limited lens of our interpretation. But when you can embrace the unknown, what that means is if you feel like you'd mentioned, like that mountain, hmm, if you feel that calling, that mountain, whatever that mountain might be for someone listening, maybe it's like, go to Hawaii. Maybe it's like, hey, fly, drive to you know, Texas. Maybe it's like, you know what? Go to go to that coffee shop down the street right now. So call that person. It's like, it doesn't freaking make any sense. We're constantly trying to make sense of things. The mind is what blocks one of the things that blocks surrender. So all I'm saying is when you feel that impulse, that pure impulse, that pure intuitive impulse is arising from the unconditioned, unconditioned dimension of your, your essence, your beingness is not conditioned. And when you follow that energy, so part of surrender is the willingness to follow that energy and not question, to follow that energy and say, mm, something's, something's moving me over here. You'll see that life has an energy of its own. Life has an, if we become still and out of the mind, life kind of like, kind of has a flow, like, like the ocean, it has a flow. And then if we're willing, so surrender is to allow life to lead you. Most of us are pushing the ocean. Imagine going to the ocean and you push the ocean in a direction. <laughs> that's freaking madness, right? Yeah. It's crazy. But that's how we live life. We're like in the ocean, pushing the ocean. We take a hose and we make a wave. And like, I'm going to surf this wave that I'm blowing from a hose. It's madness. If you look at the greatest big wave surfers, at the chance to interview Led Hamilton, one of the incredible badasses of surfing, right? He would, he said, he, he, he would lie on the board and wait, wait for the movement. Wait, that's not, that's surrender. That's not weak. That, and then when he felt the wave, he didn't make the wave, but when he felt the wave, that's when he would go into action and ride the wave. And so it's like life, when you feel, even though you don't know where the wave's coming, but you're not even sure, you feel, you feel the movement of life. Something's going, something, something's telling me something's going over. Maybe I should turn left. Maybe I should call that person. Go. You don't need to know where it's going to be. Just go. Don't question. Go. And you will find that in the process of living, in the process of life, life starts revealing to you because it has an intelligence. It starts revealing to you what's next. And you'll start finding that you'll go to that place. You go to the coffee shop. Then you meet that person. And then sure enough, you met your wife or you met your husband or you met, you met your business partner. It's like, it wouldn't have happened. You couldn't have planned it. It was beyond what you could have thought. And so you don't have to know. And so I think part of the freedom in life and in living surrender is the degree to which we can embrace the unknown is the degree to which we're free. The yeah. degree to which we can, then when we, when, we, when we live that way, we're not limited to the past. When we're living constantly only through the lens of the mind, we are limited to the past because the past is con the mind is conditioned by the past. So whatever we create from the mind, level of the mind, will be limited in a certain sense. But when we create in surrender, surrendering to our soul, there's no limits. What can happen? It's a, it's, you know, I imagine if you talk to somebody who I, I imagine we're going to perceive this through whatever lens our experience is mostly related to. And for me, the biggest challenge of my life, because it started really with things being imposed on me when I was five diet right, all right, my life, right, my right, parents oh, wow. started me on diets and then. Uh, and then, you know, I was on self-imposed diets from the time I was around 20 and it took me a long time. But and and for people I've spoken to, 
I know almost nobody who cannot lose weight. Most people, there are a few, but most people, you go on a diet, you lose weight. The thing that I find I had the most trouble with and most of the people I know had the most trouble with is maintaining weight loss or keeping weight off. And this is exactly to your point because there's such a hyper focus on this short period of time, this diet, and there is no surrender to the idea of like, no, no. It's a complete, I'm on the wrong path, entirely wrong path. You get on the right path and it's like, you never have to get on the scale again, because if you're on the path, you know, you're on, it's going to happen, but it is for, it is a lifelong pursuit. It is not a finite fixed short-term thing. Yeah. Yeah. And even on the path of, of diet and see, I believe I mean, this is going to be maybe the left field from the conversation, but it's connected. I think that we're souls. We are all souls. Well, first and foremost, souls having a human experience. And as souls, we can... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Incarnate into the human experience in this body, in this ethnicity, in, in, with our parents. We incarnate into the human experience in order to learn, to grow, and to evolve, to learn lessons. So, to meet life is the university for our soul's evolution. And every experience, every relationship, every experience, every circumstance is part of the curriculum for our soul's growth and evolution. And so I think that as souls, uh, we all have our own unique curriculum. Like someone goes to university and they study mathematics, they study you know, applied physics. It's like, so, I mean, if, if, if I study, if I saw someone who was studying applied physics, I'd be like, shit, that's so hard. But, you know, if, if I'm studying, let's say art, someone might say, shit, that's so hard. And so we all have our own lessons. So like, for instance, you, your soul maybe had certain lessons that it needed to learn based on these experiences of weight and diet and being overweight and what have you. And, and, and so it's less about the story and the theme as we go through experiences. And I think it's more important, it's important for us to really focus on what is the lesson and what are the lessons that my soul is seeking to learn through this experience? Like, why did my soul incarnate in this particular body? Don't just get focused on the diet, but focus on the underlying soul lesson. Maybe there's a reason. Like for me, 
you know, I wish I had a freaking crazy metabolism where I could eat whatever I want, whenever I wanted, how I want. I mean, I see people eating cakes. I see people eating cheesecakes. I see, I'm like, shit, if I did all of that, I'd be out here. And so I have to be super disciplined. But I'm not saying I, I deprive myself, but I'm really disciplined. I work out every day, work myself up at 6 a.m., didn't exercise seven days a week. Because I know if I don't, I don't have certain metabolism that some people do. I used to hate it. But when I started to see myself as a soul, I said, okay, my soul chose this experience. And why did my soul choose this particular experience? Because needing to observe my weight and exercise, and I don't diet so much, but very disciplined with what I eat and exercise, it made me cultivate a level of profound discipline. Like I'll wake up at 4 a.m. if I need to and exercise before I catch a flight. It made me cultivate such a level of discipline and commitment that I wouldn't have otherwise cultivated. And that level of commitment and discipline is not just about the exercise, but is really what I realized I would need to fulfill my destiny, to live my purpose. And so I just tell people, don't just get focused on the what, Focus on, change your relationship with your experience and focus on what is my soul seeking to learn? What are the lessons that my soul is seeking to learn through this experience, through this situation, through this dynamic, through this circumstance? And that can change your entire relationship to, ah, I see why I incarnated as this. I see why I see why I incarnated with a father that was African and a mother that was Japanese and now I have kind of brown skin, right? I see why I ended up living in London. Ah, I see why... I was a fat kid and why I needed that experience and why I needed that tendency in this lifetime. And it shifts your relationship to life. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I mean, it, it, it really is all kind of perspective at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. How we're, how we're, um, how we're experiencing these things and, and, and the, and the point of view we're, we're taking on them. Point of view is everything. And this is why I tell people, to be very careful, and this is part of surrender too, to be very intentional and careful about uh, uh, projecting and making meaning about things. The mind is always making meaning about things, trying to understand everything, and we don't realize that we end up limiting our lives. Something happens, this is what it means. Something doesn't happen, this is what it means. Your dreams don't manifest, this is what it means. You know, you're overweight, you're this, you're that, this is what it means. And the meanings that we make up determine our reality. And if we're not aware, we end up uh, seeing things from a limited perspective, which then means we end up experiencing a limited reality. And so I just invite people to not just project a meaning onto an experience or an event or a situation, like, like as more, more specifically as an example. Let's say your dreams don't manifest. Or something, something doesn't go according to plan and happen in the way you want it to. And you feel like, shit, I'm a failure. You know, God doesn't love me. I'm terrible. Uh, it's like, no. Sometimes something not happening or going according to plan the way you wanted it to is actually a blessing. Sometimes things not happening is grace, is great. If you look, if you look back, let's take a relationship example. Okay, folks listening, if you look back at your life, at that relationship, you, you fell in love and you were so sure, like, this is the one I met my soulmate. You could imagine not being with them like this was the person. They were hot. They were sexy. They were this. They were everything you wanted. And it didn't work out 
I think most of us have been there. <laughs> I certainly have. And it didn't work out. You were heartbroken. You were devastated. You felt you were never going to find love again. You were mad at the world. It's like, my life is over. And, you know, 5, 10, 20, however many years go by. Now, you just think back to that relationship. How many of you, I know I have, go, thank God that didn't work out, you know? And, and so it's perspective. And so I just tell people, when things don't work out, rather than judge it, or try to make a meaning about it because the meaning making machine of the mind is going to be limited. Step back, step back, breathe, observe, and ask you. And, and instead, part of surrender is practicing this, is practicing curiosity. In, in, in other words, don't be so sure about what you think something is. Curiosity. I don't know what this means. Don't assign a meaning. Being that openness of I don't know, I don't know what this means. And ask yourself, what could this mean? What else could this mean? And how is the universe working for my good? Because from the perspective, in that moment, from the perspective of your ego, the ego being limited isn't able to see the infinite possibilities of what might be happening in that moment or situation or how the universe might be working for your good in that moment because it wants what it wants. And so cultivate in a given situation when things don't go according to plan, curiosity. What more amazing thing could be seeking to happen right now that I'm not able to see? What more incredible person could be seeking to show up right now that I'm not able to see? And just be open. So surrender is openness. It's, if you look at a child, the child is curious. They're not, they, they don't go into situations like, yeah, that person that just walked in, nah, that person's that, and now that person, they're just available. You know, you go, see a, you go see a friend and they have a little baby and they're like cuddling you. They're not judging you going, ah, this guy with a beard, mm, bad person, bad man. <laughs> ah, this cool guy, British accent. Uh, suspicious. It's suspicious. They're just like available and open. Right. And I think surrender is, the, is, is openness, it's availability. It's living. And that is humility. You know, humility is like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes when you think you know, when you think you know, you really don't. And sometimes when you think you don't know, you're closer than you actually think. I want to go into everything thinking I, I know nothing about it. Now, I do. You know, I have a cute I, I have a lot of <laughs> with uh, like having reactions, having emotions, having these it's OK, yeah, th that are contradictory to the to to my beliefs, because I do believe in perspective and I do believe that I'm I, I believe that the objective world is what it is and that how I move through it or react to it is entirely up to me. And yet I have emotional reactions and I have to go like, I wish I wasn't feeling this. I wish I wasn't uh, well, experiencing Well, this. you know, but that's part of being human. And, and, and so part of the surrender is surrendering and embracing your humanity. Right. And part of, part of surrender is, is part of surrender is embracing your experience, yourself and your experience as it is. Like people think surrender is like, Dalai Lama being Zen, having no reaction, having nothing. No, part of surrender is embracing fully where you are at and where you are not. And sometimes part of surrender is embracing the fact that you may not feel surrendered right now. Like, I'm not surrendered right now. Fuck it, damn it, whatever it is, I'm not surrendered right now. And part of surrender might be just embracing that, yeah, I'm resistant. Because here's the thing, if you find yourself reactive, right, 
and resisting and not surrendered. And then you're like, but I should be surrendered, damn it, and get freaking surrendered, damn it. Now, see, previously you were not, you, you were resisting and not surrendered, but now you're resisting the fact that you're not surrendered. So now you're, you're doubly not surrendered, whereas before you were just not surrendered. And so what's really important, the issue is not the issue. The real issue is your relationship with the issue. The <laughs> issue is not the issue. The yeah. real issue is how you relate with yourself as you go through the issue. It's your relationship with that is really more important. That's what's more important. So if I give you an example about myself. Many years ago, believe it or not, I used to be a very, very impatient person. Impatient as you and like, I couldn't even take a pee. I would flush the toilet before I pee because I didn't have the patience to pee. I was just like, right? Just flush yeah. the damn toilet. And now I'm peeing afterwards. And I have to flush it again. I just didn't hurry up. And, and so, you know, I read all these books about patience and Mother Teresa and Dalai Lama and what have you. It's like, I got to be. So for me, I started going, okay, I need to be patient. I need to hurry up and be patient now. Come on, hurry up and be patient now. So here I am being, being impatient with my impatience, becoming more impatient. Doubly screwed. So what I realized was the issue was not the issue. The issue is not even about the impatience. The issue became, can I shift my relationship with my reaction? Can I shift my relationship with myself? And can I become patient with my impatience? And so what you start doing is, in order to change something, you have to observe it and be aware of it. And then to accept it. And to really shift something, if you can observe your pattern, observe your reaction without trying to fix it, judge it, or change it, just observe it. Amazing things will start happening. Because here's the thing, when you're in a reaction, you're in a reactive moment, we tend to be so identified with that reactivity that we are it, and now we start spinning. But when you realize, oh, I'm not the reaction, then you can step back and observe the reaction. You can step back and observe. Like for me, you know, I love ice cream and stuff, right? So I would observe myself without judgment. Observe my hand reaching for the fridge. <laughs> like before, it was like, reach for the fridge, eat the shit, eat, eat the ice cream, feel like shit afterwards. Like, ah, oh, why did you beat myself up? Judgment just reinforces the pattern. Then I just said, let me observe. So I would observe myself reaching for the fridge, reaching for the ice cream. I didn't even stop it. At first, I didn't even stop myself. At first, I was like, I would observe myself opening the uh, ice cream tub. Then I, because what I realized is in the other moments when I was in reactivity, I was checked out. Right? I wasn't present. It was just, just going, just eating. Just, just, I wasn't really, I didn't want to be here because I didn't want to deal with it. But when I was really present with, I have a tub of ice cream in my hand. Let me look. Now I'm present. Now you're conscious. Now you're there. And I'm going to pick up the ice cream and eat it real slowly, like almost like as a meditation. You start to observe yourself. That brings you into the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, Moment without judgment, that's when you can change. So when you can observe your reactivity and observe your pattern, there is a space between your reaction, your reactivity, and you. 
because you start seeing it. There's my reaction, react, there's the reactivity, and I'm observing the reactivity. And if I'm observing the reactivity, I'm not the reactivity. And in that space is the gap. That space is the freedom to actually choose. And is and this just a decision? Happen. Is this just like I I I I'm aware of this behavior. I want to observe it from now on because listen, dude, I've had experiences. It's been 20 years now, but where I'd go, like, I'm not going to go through that drive through. And then I kind well, of, the I come but, to uh, eating in my yeah. car, you know, but, what but, I mean? but, 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 but yes, yeah, see, see, two things you just said, I'm not going to go through that drive through. Well, it's like me saying, don't think of the Snickers bar. What are you I, thinking of? Yeah, there's the Snickers bar. Don't, don't think of it. Yeah. Hey man, don't think of it. Don't think of Snickers bar. Don't think yeah. of like Snickers bar is you, you're programming your consciousness and your subconscious to think of the Snickers bar, and all you're thinking of is you're hypnotizing yourself basically. Think of the Snickers bar. It's impossible. So first, you have to communicate to yourself in an in a intentional, directive way, and say rather than say, "Don't go through the drive-through." <laughs> all you're focusing on is the drive-through. You're programming yourself to go through the drive-through. Right. That's really. Then know, I can check out, and I'll go yeah. on automatic and, through and, the drive-through. And what happens with an addiction or pattern? is we tend to check out. It's like, uh, we, we go blank because we're not able to be present and then we just go through drive and then all of a sudden you're in your car reading like, what happened? And that and it happens very fast. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. To breathe, slow down, come into the present moment. One way you can do that is to come in, to look around, to breathe, to look around, to also touch your body as in, Look around, touch your body, be here in your body right here, right now, because many times we have these addictive patterns as a way to not deal with reality. We learn these patterns as a way to not deal with the present moment. And so we go out of the present moment and then we're doing that thing. So if you can be in the, I'm not saying it just stops instantly, but it slows things down, which gives you the, 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 the possibility to start making a different choice. So now you're present in the moment, touch your body, look around, touch your surroundings. Then you have a window. In that window is the choice. You can observe. Now, even sometimes if you go through the path, for me, I had to do something, which was I'd have to go through the, the ice cream thing or whatever it was, and I'd have to go through it. But at first, I would go through it. Like here I'd be eating the ice cream, and it was I made myself do it very slowly with full presence and awareness, without any judgment. Judgment reinforces the pattern without judgment. So here I would be eating the ice cream meditatively, eating the ice cream with total presence and awareness. What started happening, see, if you eat, go into the drive-thru, you eat the hamburger, it's gone, right? Versus if you take a bite, because when you're doing that, you're not present, you don't even you're not even experiencing what you're tasting. No, there's an anxiousness to get it to, to, to get to get to finish it. Yeah. You're not even experiencing what you're tasting. So even once you finished it, it's not fulfilling. Right. You're not fulfilled because you weren't present when you tasted it. And so what I started doing was I would take a bite, slow it down, and really taste it without judgment. And what began happening was sometimes I just started realizing I'm really not even that hungry. 
shit, I'm I'm really not even craving. I'm not even craving the taste. And 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 I realized that what I was really wanting was something else. It's not about the thing. We're seeking the thing to alleviate the the feeling, some feeling. So when you start realizing that, then you can move from the thing to what is the feeling that's that's triggered? What is the feeling that I'm seeking to get or seeking to avoid through this thing? And that's where the gold is. Is there, this this seems to me like the, the best gradient approach to surrender. Slow down. I'm going to be in the moment. Even if your idea is like, I don't eat the ice cream. I don't go to the drive-thru. I'm going to do it a few times and I'm going to be fully there. I'm not going to be fully there. Yeah, see, 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 if you eat the ice cream, you ate the whole tub of ice cream. You got zero enjoyment from the ice cream because you weren't freaking there. Right. You're going to keep craving it because you weren't there. You, you didn't even experience it. But what starts happening in a strange way is when you fully experience the ice cream, for me, I would eat a bit of ice cream. I wouldn't eat the whole tub because I'm like, well, five bites, I'm kind of fulfilled. Right. You know, okay, two bites, I'm kind of, uh, you know what? I'm not even actually craving ice cream. I'm actually feeling anxious right now. And so maybe there's some other things I can do in this moment rather than reach for the ice cream, which is a crutch. Maybe it's just <sighs> taking a few deep breaths. You know, yeah. maybe it's taking a walk, maybe it's taking a shower, maybe it's doing some exercise, something healthier. And, and so that presence gives you access to a choice. So now instead of there being no choice, there's a little space to make a choice. And, and with and that, that space is where surrender can occur. Yeah, that space is where surrender the choice to surrender to a deeper commitment can occur. Yeah, because I, I, I think like of my entire life and I go, I want it. I want all this. I want to just surrender. And then I go like my entire life collapses upon me and I go like, this is too much to consider at once. But like if I take these moments and break them yeah. down and do them one at a time, I feel like, no, exactly. I could do that. I could experience yeah. that. I can I can do that today. That for thing. sure. For yeah. sure. For sure. Coot, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's been fun so far. Yeah, I, I'm going to practice this. I hope we can talk again and I'll give you a report. Anytime, anytime. I'd love to, if, if possible, just invite people to uh, to check out a couple of my websites if possible. Just yes. if anyone's inspired. For sure. Yes. I'm going to, I'm going to do an intro and I will list them in there too. Or you can tell me, tell me the websites now. Yeah. The website, the, the first one is coopblackson.com. Uh, if anyone's inspired, uh, twice a year, I do a special event to Bali. Uh, it's a deep dive in transformation and unconditioning, uh, boundlessblissbali.com where leaders, visionaries, and those that want to transform come and we dive deep, uh, depending on when this goes live or when people are listening, uh, July the 12th through the 19th, I'm doing a very special five-day free summit. It's called the Surrender Summit. We're going to break down surrender into real tangible steps. I'm bringing some of my friends, uh, author of Conversations with God, Neil Donald Walsh, John Gray, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus, Martha Beck, uh, John D. Martini, uh, Barbara DeAngelis, and many more uh, to teach and share uh, the keys to surrender. Amazing. I'm going to check those out for sure. Thank you. Michael Pena. Yes, sir. How was it? It was, uh, how was the what? 
How was your week? Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, the week, it was good, man. It was good. I, uh, you know, I got the wifey helping me out, you know, where I mean, wherever we can, I had to travel to Houston to NASA, uh, like I said last time and on the plane, that's probably the hardest, um, you know, having to travel or whatnot mood swings, dude. Wow. I wasn't expecting the mood swings. I think cutting out a lot of carbs and just having the necessary carbs definitely gave me some mood swings. Um, just kind of in a, you know, where you're thinking like, why am I even doing this, dude? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and then also like, I guess I have to regulate that stuff where I, um, you know, I, um, you know, I do have, like, I don't starve myself of carbs and then I totally mess myself up. I do it gradually. And, but it's, I mean, I've just been walking, you know, just golfing and stuff and doing like 20,000 steps a day when I can. And if not, like I will work out with my kids, basically just try to keep as, as, you know, just busy. Like, you know, we went out to the beach and stuff and I normally don't go in the water. And then I was like, you know what, I'm going to jump in. And so I jumped in and I was on, you know, playing with the, my kid, you know, throwing the, the football or whatnot. And I, you know, I was over 200. And now I'm 198. Oh, that's so, incredible, dude. That's fantastic. That's a great first week. Yeah, that's dude. I was surprised too because I, I, I didn't feel like I did that much. You know, I definitely stack on the like. I think the thing that you told me that really helped out, and my wife told me, I think maybe three or four months ago, is like really stack the the protein. Yeah. You know, and 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 have like. Dude, it's almost impossible to eat 175 grams of protein. That's you. You said 175 to 200 grams of protein. That seems damn near impossible. It's but, it. By the way, it's very hard, but but it can be done. I just you know the 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 places that you you get over the hump are like whey protein and and yogurt and stuff like that. Yeah. So, dude. Okay. So when I was in the 
when I was in the airport, I was like hangry. And oh my gosh, that's where I could have like derailed it and then, you know, just ate like a dozen cookies and stuff. But I just kept walking and walking, which is a good byproduct anyway of trying to search for something. And then I, I found some low, low fat Greek yogurt, like strawberry flavored. Um, and it was the, the low calorie one. I was like, how lucky is this? Perfect. Uh, and it was, and it was delicious, dude. Um, you know, it's, it's like Eddie Murphy, how he said, like, you know, you, if you don't eat for a while, all of a sudden even saltine crackers taste like, <laughs> like they're gourmet or whatever. Yeah. And that's kind of where, where I'm at right now. Like my appreciation for even, even vegetables and, and, and mushrooms, um, have gone up, but I wonder if it's just because it's the first week. And I'm really excited to do it. You know, week three and four, those are the sons of guns, you know? Those are the, those are the, that's where it becomes clutch. I, I, I think I have this thing where I go like, oh, I've got a five hour flight, so I'll eat right before I leave the house. And then I don't take into account that like it takes 45 minutes to get to the airport. And then I'm sitting there for an hour and a half. And then it's a five hour flight. And then I'm an hour and away from food. So it really becomes like an eight hour thing. And yeah. somehow the second I sit down on an airplane, I get, I become starving. And I don't know if it's partially boredom or, or actual hunger, but I get so hungry. I, I always bring food on an airplane. Yeah, I need to start doing that, man, because I'm like, there's one thing that you said that was really interesting, and it just stuck with me. You're like, and especially at night, right? Like, I'm, I'm taking some, like, uh, some supplements that, like, are, you know, uh, this Dr. Uh, Minkoff um, has, like, these uh, protein um, capsules, I mean, uh, uh, pills or whatever they are, and it, it's supposed to be really clean, blah, 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 but I'm like, okay, if I'm, if I'm getting hungry, I'll eat a yogurt, I'll do something. Am I hungry or am I bored? Right. Right. And so psycho like you you gotta hit it kind of and psychologically just like kind of be true with yourself and, and just be honest with yourself. You're like and a couple of times I was just bored. Yeah. And I like eating when I'm bored and and just stacking up the calories mindlessly. Um and so that's kind of where what I'm you know, like it's cool to just have something in your hand and like eating something while you're watching TV. Or something like that. It's, it's good to have something to do. It's it almost feels like what smokers go through when they first quit smoking. Yeah. Like I, like I'm 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 quitting uh, snacking, uh, you know, which is kind of it, it. It feels the same. Like there's a feeling of loss and like what do I do with my hands? Um, and I, I have to just kind of reorganize things so that it doesn't. Because then then it does a weird thing. Then it, in a weird way. Even if I ate an hour ago and I'm watching television, I'm just so used to snacking that I'll almost become hungry, but it's not a real hunger. It's like a psychological hunger. A hundred percent. TV loses a bit of its flavor without snacks, I think. And like movies and stuff like that. Brandy has a real tough time not having popcorn at a movie. Like it's not enjoyable for her. Mm. Yeah, just like coffee and cigarettes, right? If somebody quits smoking and then all of a sudden they have coffee, they're like, oh, this sucks. I would love a cigarette yeah. right now, right? Yeah. Like, and then you can see, like, I grew up in Chicago and even even when it was like 20 below zero and there's like some skinny dude who's an accountant in a, in a tie and a, in a, you know, like some 
button down sleeve shirt and like and smoking and just having pretending like they're having a great time like in this conversation and deep down you're like dude i know you're freezing dude <laughs> um so that's you know that uh, that's kind of what i'm going through right now man it's crazy but um you know i i got a i got a whoop app i mean a whoop strap to to you know see how much like it measures resistance and and strain it doesn't measure it like uh, with calorie, I mean, maybe it does with calories, but like, um, but the major thing is strain. So I'm going to have, it's got, and you need seven days to calibrate. I only had it for two. Right. Um, so I'm going to use that, uh, but I bet, I guess anybody could get like a Fitbit or, you know, a, a Garmin thing or, you know, even an Apple watch or anything like that, just to, just to hold themselves to the, um, you know, accountable and just log it. Uh, you know, log the intake and calories and how much, you know, their body's actually exercising. Yeah. And whether you're, whether it's, um, I think it's a great metric. I think you're, you're absolutely right. Whether it's, it's, whether the calories it's telling you are exact, you can still track whether you're up or down, right? Whether your yeah. steps are up or down, whether you've moved enough or not, all of that, it's keeping pretty good track of that. So, you go like, hey, yeah. was this a successful week? Okay, am I going to do a little bit more next week? I got to up it a little bit. And if you're getting the same numbers the next week, you haven't upped it. Yeah, okay. I mean, and so so what I'm doing is I'm like walking, right? And try to do it like normally when you're golfing, like you're with a group and you don't want to walk too briskly because then you'll leave everybody behind. But I've been walking and, and people have been catching up and maybe getting in slightly better shape because – and the, the one thing that I, w- I did want to talk about was that I realized that there's a huge difference. And I hope I didn't pe- set people straight, but like walk, it's not just walking. Right. You know what I mean? Walking didn't get my heart rate up. You actually have to move a little bit, man. You have to briskly walk. You have to walk. You have to put a little bit of effort, especially if you're, you know, on flat land. Yeah. You got to put a little muscle into it. And it was like, and then it actually felt like, oh, I'm doing something. I'm like, it's. It's half an hour of actually doing something. Well, okay, um, but fair enough. But you are a guy who plays a lot of golf, and I, and I know there's carts involved and all of that. But you're still probably getting quite a few steps in playing golf, aren't you? Yeah, twenty thousand, twenty thousand steps a day. Right. And and what I like, even if you, even if you're driving a cart, um, to all the golfing bros and and and, and bros I get. Um, out there like you when you park your car you could still walk briskly yeah. and then I ch- I've actually I checked the um um you know there's little ga- games with in between the game you know what I mean I'm like I'm walking and I check my check my my pulse and it's at 120 I was like wow okay just with a little bit of a walk yeah like walking briskly I was like okay not, now we're now we're moving so I, it, it I I know that like the thing that I'm I'm gonna have to do is to just keep being aware of it and not forget almost at any point what I'm doing, like what, the, what the goal is. And I think that's where like I failed before where I kind of, I kind of see a little bit of progress in all honesty. And then I'm like, I get relaxed a little bit. Right. So I just have to be aware of that because it's like, you know, today driving home, I was like, I could have easily stopped by and gotten like a sandwich or something, but you know, and, and it's tempting. It's really, really tempting. A hundred percent. But also you were on the right path when you were talking about increasing your walking every week. Cause, cause 
as you lose weight, your your body will not need as much energy as it needed at a higher weight. You know, uh, um, we're talking very incrementally less, but if you're increasing your walking every week, I think you're going to do just fine. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I'm going to like as long as I'm, I'm 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 golfing and it's like four and a half hours and I'm walking and it's at twenty thousand steps. I don't really push the walking. The walking is I push it. Um, like when I was at, like when I was coming home from Houston, for instance, right, and my plane was delayed, I just decided to walk in the in the terminal. Yeah. And and you know, uh, it, it was you know I looked foolish at times, but I'm like I definitely got it done. And I and I think that you know what we mentioned last time is like I decide to get do all of my phone calls and catch up on, um, you know, like uh, phone calls that I haven't that I've wanted to make in the week or that, you know, people that I haven't talked to, like my family, almost like what happened during COVID, you know, making some of the connections that you did that you've lost in the past and, you know, just being on the phone with them. And, and that kind of takes the, you know, it, it makes it a little bit easier. It takes your mind off of walking. Yeah. hundred percent. Amazing. Yeah. Well, you had a, you had a, f- a fantastic week. It sounds like, and um, I will check back in with you in a week. Yeah, I mean, what's the goal here, dude? So I'm like, I, you know, it's good to set something. Like I'm, I'm 198 right now, which is heavy. Okay. Uh, and then, so I, I think, I think I want to get down to 180, and we'll see how that looks. All right, but look, not, 198, down to 175. 198. You were 204. That's six pounds. That's pretty great. So I don't know. Yeah, I think a lot of it is water, though. But it's for still, sure, it's like. I yeah. mean, yes, pl- plenty of water, but you, you're you were holding that water anyway, which got you up to that number. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you get another six pound week, but but if you stick to everything and you increase your walking, you're gonna have another fantastic week. Yeah, I mean, well, well, yeah, I, I, I definitely knew that the that the first couple of weeks were gonna be like wow weeks, um, and then I'll see if I'll plateau, you know. But I think, oh, that's the other thing, I gotta go. I have to get a DEXA stand um, yeah. and really, cause I think those are the numbers that are really going to, um, going to help or anything that's consistent. Because like what we were talking about last time is like, if I'm 25 on the DEXA scan and then, but I'm, I'm 28 on some thing that you hold in front of your body, as long as that thing is consistent, like I'm not, I don't think I really care. Yeah. By but the I'll way, go to, I- I agree with you, and you already did the thing, which is probably a hell of a lot easier than getting a DEXA scan. Sometimes you need a, a full prescription to get a DEXA scan. So if you want to just go back and uh, use that uh, that co- conductivity um, test that's attached to the scale, just use that. And as long as you're seeing some consistency there, that's fine. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. I mean, but I think... I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go get a DEXA scan. Like, hopefully, you know, I mean, you know, they won't give me too much trouble. But like, say the DEXA scan says 25%, right? Okay. I think it'll be kind of good to just jot that down and make a note of it. Sure. And then, and then do the, you know, go to the machine that like the, tra- you know, the trainer has. And even if it says that it's 28, 29, whatever it is, and say it moves down four, you know, four percent. Like I know that it's like I'm at 21 now. Right. You know what I mean? And yeah. Then, and then what we could do, like in five more weeks, check to where to what I'm doing and where I'm at with the Texas game. Yeah, and and again, your experience with that 
conductivity thing and the DEXA scan doesn't have to be the same as mine. They could give you the same number. That's possible. Right. Oh, okay. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. The thing that I do not think would give you the same number is calipers. Calipers, uh, I've found to be really kind of bullshit. Oh, okay. Okay, so I won't do the calipers then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, buddy. All right. Have an amazing week. Mike, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, brother. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. All right. Me too. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee. You can follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely.